All right, ladies and gentlemen, look, learning from marketing experts is an amazing thing, especially when you have somebody on the show who's uh, used to be the marketing officer for a very large company. Who is it? We'll find out here in a second. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life, prestige, wealth, freedom, it can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Boss small business owner or entrepreneur struggling to grow your business and build a strong brand? Do you want to learn from someone who's helped one of the most iconic brands of our time become what it is today? Our guest today is a marketing and leadership expert who has decades of experience in the industry. He's here to share his insights and how to scale his how to scale a business, develop a strong brand and become a great leader. So let's welcome to the show former CMO of Chick-fil-A, Mr. Steve Robinson. Steve, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to it. I'm excited. And I got to ask the first question that I'm sure all uh, everybody's wondering, do you still get the hookup at Chick-fil-A? No, I still have to pay (laughs) like everybody else. Nope, it's it's all it's all. Uh, I'm a regular customer now, which means if if I have some feedback, I feel totally free to give it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, well, uh, let's talk about this brand, uh, about your your story, anyways. Uh, I actually saw a little bit of a history on how Chick Fil A came from uh, just being a patty that they couldn't use in an airlines to becoming this iconic brand. And I think what people tend to miss out oftentimes is how do you go from being something nobody knows to being an iconic brand? Can you walk me through what it's like to be a CMO for a brand like that? <laughs> well, first of all, um, you better be patient. Um, I had a 35-year career at Chick-fil-A, so what Chick-fil-A eventually became did not happen overnight. Uh, the background of Chick-fil-A is it was started in 1967 in a mall in Georgia, Greenbrier Mall, by Truett Cathy. He ran a diner in the south side of Atlanta, Atlanta, and that's where he actually perfected the Chick-fil-A sandwich. And you're correct. Um, he was selling burgers and, and breakfast and fried chicken. But the fried chicken uh, was bone in and skin on, and it slowed down his orders. And Truett had a friend who was selling uh, poultry breast to uh, the airlines. Uh, And he called him and said, listen, I I want to try to speed up chicken. Can you sell me any breast of chicken? And the guy had a certain weight, a certain speck of chicken breast that the airlines couldn't use. And Truett bought them. And for the better part of five years in his diner, he experimented with the, the coder and the seasoning for the Chick-fil-A that we all know and love now. Served it, got customer feedback, and originally just called it a chicken sandwich. It was on bread, 
but it did have two crucial pickles. And uh, that's the sandwich he then took into Greenbrier Mall and started the Chick-fil-A brand in 1967 with a total of seven menu items. Two years later, created the operator agreement, which um, incentivizes an independent contractor to actually operate, run the restaurant. Uh, they pay a royalty for the use of the brand. After all their expenses, the operator takes home half of the net profit from the store. Chick-fil-A retains the other half. So uh, when I joined them in 1981, there are already about 140 stores, all in malls. If you didn't shop in malls, you probably had no idea who Chick-fil-A was. Uh, they didn't do any marketing. I was the director of marketing at Six Flags Over Georgia uh, when they called me in the summer of 1980, August 1980. And I began interviewing with them, and I, I was still interviewing with them in December. And I was sitting in Truett Cathy's office, the founder, and I asked Truett, I said, what are you looking for in the ideal marketing candidate? And he said, I have absolutely no idea, but I've been assured we need marketing support for the operators. I think we do, but I'm more interested in who you are. Uh, I'm interested in your character. Can we have fun together? Can we trust each other? And uh, he was serious. Uh, he was trusting others in the business to figure out if I could do the job. So the short of it was after almost a six month interview process, I left a Six Flags over Georgia where I was director of marketing and I became the first director of marketing for Six uh, Chick-fil-A in 1981, January of 1981. And James, the journey, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It was long and pa required patience. Uh, it was not a marketing culture when I went there. It took many, many years for people to understand that Really, the more important um, aspect of this work was how do you create a great brand? And marketing is just a subset within how you execute a great brand. And um, I was very fortunate. I built, a, I built a great team, had a great group of people around me. And we started focusing on how do we develop a brand that people cannot live without. That was the definition of what we consider a great iconic to be. That, iconic brand to be. That's what the the Nikes and the you know and the BMWs and, and uh people like that share is is a product or service that people can't live without. And it, it really wasn't until um the two thousands that the brand started to get well known. Uh and it really it really took off when we entered uh the college football space and the cow campaign hit the hit the airwaves uh, in 1996-97. Let us hover on some of those things because I feel like there's a lot of small business owners who kind of roll it all into one: advertising, marketing, branding. It's all the same thing, and I don't think they understand the distinct uh, aspects of each one. And what you're kind of explaining here is, I mean, this is, this is over 30 years, right? I mean, you talked about how you came yeah. in in 1981, that brand didn't really take off till about 96, where it really, really took off. Uh, in, in between there, you, you have a lot of things that you're testing and you're trying. You said that, that Kathy tested his Chick-fil-A recipe for five years before he even took off. 
So there's a lot yeah. of testing and practice uh, that happens, especially when it comes to the marketing space. So what are some like distinct examples that maybe advertising principles, marketing principles, branding yep. principles that you kind of have applied to Chick-fil-A that you feel that other businesses can kind of take advantage of as the, the fundamentals that they, yeah. can, they can put into play? Well, this, yes, I understand. Um, this may seem like an odd place to start, but I would tell you, be very clear on why your business exists. What, what's going to be the culture of your business? What's important to you? Uh, Chick-fil-A had a very unique uh, corporate purpose, which we wrote in 1982, uh, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and have a positive in influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. That was a direct reflection of who Truett Cathy was. Uh, he wanted a business that would glorify God, but also represent great stewardship, have great influence on people, and ultimately give people associated with Chick-fil-A a platform to thrive. And the operator contract that I described to you is a great illustration of that. Uh, where men and women are given an opportunity to operate a Chick-fil-A restaurant, they don't put capital in it. Their capital is their time and their sweat equity, but they share in the bottom line 50-50. And what that did was it, it attracted people with an entrepreneurial spirit who had, who had energy, had a focus on attracting and keeping great people, but they didn't have to come in with a lot of money. And, and Truett preferred it that way, gave him more control. Each party can leave the agreement with a 30-day notice. So back, so back to your question, uh, when I came, I started with research, James, because when I got there, virtually all the key decisions that affected customers were being based on just personal intuition and personal opinions. By this time, there was Truett. He had a COO. There were roughly 140 restaurant operators. And so everybody had an opinion on what you ought to do. And so whether it was menu items or advertising, it was, it was kind of chaotic. And so I just, from the very beginning, I said, we're, we're not going to launch into marketing plans until we really understand the customer, understand the mall environment. Uh, why do they eat in the malls? What kind of food do they prefer in malls? And from there, we started um, building a back, backbone of what I call voice of the customer research that uh, influenced every aspect of the business. We didn't do any menu development, any hospitality development, any advertising, any promotions, any store design. Nothing that would touch the customer, reach the customer until we had done adequate research to really understand what they thought of it. Was it, what it was, was it adding value to the brand? Did they feel like it was a good value to them? And so when we rolled out waffle fries, which, by the way, Truett thought was a bad idea, we had enough research or enough experience with customers. We knew it was going to be a home run, and we rolled it out. Price sales almost doubled. Uh, we weren't going to roll out Chick-fil-A nuggets if it hadn't been for customer research. Uh, we wouldn't have rolled out, let's see, grilled chicken, the first grilled chicken back in the uh, early 90s. So I could say, we wouldn't roll out the cow campaign if it hadn't been in small groups, A versus B testing a different creative concepts. And uh, we suddenly realized we had a home run. Um, so I, I would say, even if you have limited budget, 
if you're trying, if you're starting a business and it's a customer facing business, or even if it's a B2B, talk to customers, talk to prospects. And here's, here's what I, here's where I, here's what I'm suggesting you need to be looking for. What can we do based on what we're hearing? What can we do in the marketplace that will be completely different than everybody else? There was a book written back in the 2000s called Blue Ocean Strategy. Highly recommended. Turned out for a long, long time, that's kind of what we were trying to do, and we didn't, we didn't have that label on it. But we learned uh, late in the 80s, early in the 90s, the best place for Chick-fil-A was whatever, everybody, whatever other people were doing in marketing, we're going to do the opposite. If other people are couponing and discounting, we're not going to do that. Well, what are we going to do? Well, we'll just give people free food to try us. We're not going to discount it. It's worth fair price, full price. But we'll we'll sample product. We'll give people cards for free product. We'll go to events and we'll take product, etc. That's just one example. Uh, everybody else in fast food advertising, they show product, they show price, or they show you where to turn. We said, all right, we're not going to do that. We're going to use advertising to build a brand, which led to the cows. We don't show we don't. We don't show sandwiches. We could show a sandwich. You could change the logo to Wendy's or McDonald's and you wouldn't know the difference. The cows gave us a personality. We wanted the brand to be funny. That was part of the strategy going in. It's obviously what they did for us. They made the brand fun, which by the way, became business. It became contagious within the business. Um, so that, that would be, I, I think, you build build your business around listening to customers and then see if by listening to them you can't find places where you can be in a niche where there's there's no one else in the water even though you're maybe in a very competitive category you're delivering a service you're delivering a product that's so unique you market it to reflect that uniqueness and all of a sudden you carve off um, a, a space that nobody else can replicate and that's kind of where Chick-fil-A has evolved to. Uh, the menu, the advertising, the operator agreement, the one the one-on-one -on -one operator per store. No nobody else uh is, is gonna be able to replicate the Chick-fil-A model for all all those reasons. And I think that's what any entrepreneur wants. They want a business that they not only own financially, but they can own in the market. Yeah, and I, I love that. The the Blue Ocean Strategy, by the way, that book is amazing. It is definitely a, a great read. Um, and how you went ab about that, going the opposite direction of what people were looking for. I mean, it's not like a right. chicken sandwich wasn't around. It's not like fries weren't around. Uh, it's not right. like you, you know, franchises weren't marketing their companies at all. You were literally in a, in a space that needed something different. And you're right, those cows – when people look at the cow, they think chicken. Like how that is ridiculous <laughs> to think that that even happens, but that's right. the truth, right? Like that's that's right. how we that's the perspective that ends up coming out. Yeah. So, what would you say are some common mistakes that small businesses make when it comes to their marketing and branding, where they end up not becoming the brand that they want? They end up falling into the mistake right. where they're just like everybody else, and right. then they wonder why they don't succeed. Great question. James, I would say um, I would say the the macro principle would be most companies chase transactions. 
In other words, they're going to do whatever they can do. And I understand you're, you're trying to pay the bills and keep, keep ahead of the tax collector. But if you really want to build a great brand that allows you to have healthy margins, because one of the things that comes with a healthy brand is people talk about you more. They talk about you positively and they talk about you more often. They're willing to pay full price. And they're also willing to talk to you when they think that not only you've done a good job, but when they were disappointed, they'll let you know, which is a good thing. So I guess the other thing is they come more often. So there's really four things. So um, if you want to create a brand like that, you can't do it if you just chase the transactions because it, you'll get pulled into doing what everybody else is doing with pricing and deals and cutting corners on product quality. But if you make up your mind con rather to pursue relationships, how do you build a relationship with a customer? How do you build a relationship with suppliers and vendors who are going to uh, who are going to make you a priority to give you the right product, the right within spec, on time at a at a competitive price that allows you to do the same thing for the end user? Um, so this contrast between chasing transactions versus trying to build relationships, uh, I can't take full ownership for that idea. It really grew out of the way Truett built his business in his original 24, uh, six-day-a-week diner. Uh, I mean, he was working the counter every day. He got to know the customers. He built relationships with the, the men and women who were running the diner. I mean, he had, he had people who worked for him 30, 40 years in that diner. Um, and he didn't hide in the kitchen. He was out front getting to know the customers. And when somebody was sick or somebody went missing, he'd go looking for them. He'd, he'd take a pie or a, a meal to their house. I haven't seen you in a while. What? Where you been? What's going on? That's a whole different mindset than just uh, chasing transactions for the day. And how do I get a quick? How do I get a quick adrenaline shot through couponing or discounting, which really doesn't build a healthy business. So I, I really think that is, I think that is the big distinctive. I, I, I agree with you that relationship building is, is key. And I think in today's society, I think people are lacking in the relationship building and, and are being a lot more transactional. I could be the victim of that myself. Um, especially when we use things like social media, for example, there's so many great ways that you can start to build a brand and build a community around your product or service. Uh, to to attract more customers, and yet we're not utilizing it that way. Everything we create is a commercial, yeah. oftentimes. So, well, how would you, you? Yeah, yeah. Go go for it. Let me let me give you a couple of illustrations to go deeper on that. The Chick Fil A operator, they don't make the investment. Chick Fil A finds the store. Chick Fil A makes all the investment. They equip the store, but they're accountable to run that business exactly to the specs of Chick-fil-A, product specs, service specs, marketing specs, etc. Their biggest value to the business, though, is that they're active in the business. They're not a passive investor. They're, they're, they're engaging with customers. They're, they're hiring, selecting, engaging with great people. They're building relationships. I mean, today I spoke at a Rotary Club, and the guy that entertained me, inter invited me was a Chick-fil-A operator. And he's got hundreds of relationships in the Rotary Club. Well, the average McDonald's manager, they ain't doing that, okay? So that's one example. I think a bigger example 
is just this week, Diane and I watched the new movie, Air, about Nike and, and yeah. how they kind of how they kind of originally kind of stumbled over for a while, but then locked in on this relationship with Michael Jordan and created Air Jordan. Well, what did they what did they really do? They created a personality connection between a shoe. They created how can I remember like Mike? How can I be like Mike? Yeah. Later, how can I Great be campaign. how can I be like how can I be like Bo Jackson? Etc. Yep. They brought the personality of an athlete into the relationship with the young man or the young woman who wanted to shoot them the chance to be like <laughs> and um that's a per- that's a, a relationship personality strategy versus what eventually cost Converse their business, where every shoe was the, the same. There was no personality tied to the shoes. They became very transactional. They had to discount them. And over time, who bought them? Nike. <laughs> so I think those, I mean, at our level, grassroots level, Chick-fil-A operator is a personality that builds a relationship, even at a, a mass level. And for us, I think, uh, Steve, your your headphones are breaking up a little bit here on the last couple of sentences. I'll let you guys, adjust, I'll let you adjust that really quick. Um, there's, you mentioned how the operators uh, are, are very, uh, they're not passive. They're in there doing everything that needs to get done. Um, they're, they're hiring, they're working around great people. What do you think is the, are some of the most important qualities when finding some of these operators, finding some of these leaders in the organization that go out and build relationships and then bring in quality people into the, into the different restaurants to kind of provide that quality service? Because for a business to operate like that successfully and not be open on Sundays is super impressive as it is. It only functions when you have good people that are, that are leading the pack. How do you, how do you, what, what are some of those most important qualities to, for great leaders in an organization like that? Well, um, there's several parts. By the way, can you hear me better? I hooked up my speaker, my microphone. Is it? Sorry. Yes. Yes. I can hear you better. Great. Okay. So I, I would start with the culture. Uh, I found out during my interview process, they were interested in a lot more about me than just competency. And over time, I really began to understand, and we put words around it. <laughs> you know, you you need to, to be attracting talent that is going to help plus up, add value to your culture. So it's not just an issue of competency. Character and, and the chemistry with people really matter. And so Steve, your sound got choppy again. Um, I think maybe the best way to illustrate this is um, I never had to go to Truett to get an approval for any decision that I recommended. 
Now, I went to him just as a courtesy, but I, whether it was cow campaign, menu additions, he, he did not require of me to have a sign-off on everything we did in marketing. He empowered my team and I to make important decisions in the business. And I think when you do that, you're going to attract and you're going to keep better talent because people feel energized, they feel valued, and it fosters creativity. You're empowering your leaders to take action with their expertise and their knowledge and their experience. And you are kind of allowing them to to make creative decisions within the guidelines of the organization, but it gives them the flexibility and the ownership to, to move forward what a true leader yes. actually does. Yes. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now, you know, you at the same time, uh, you've got to be willing to cover their back. I mean, I had some mistakes. If you read my book, I made a few mistakes along the way. But sure, it had my back. Um, I talked about one big mistake in 1982 that cost the business about $2 million beyond budget. And I figured that might be the end of a very quick career at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> And I went to Jimmy and True, and I said, I apologize. I got too aggressive with too too little experience, major mistake. And Jimmy looked at me and said, don't worry about it. We just invested $2 million in your education. You're never going to make that mistake again. That's so true, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that also freed me up then to step back with my team. And I we didn't have a very big team then, but to step back with my team and say, okay, how can we do marketing in the future? So we're not going to make a mistake like that again. And it's actually, it's what led to getting completely out of couponing and discounting. And uh, so the, the, the kind of organization you have and the kind of marketing talent you can attract and keep is going to be a direct function of one, the, the due diligence that you went through to attract them. And two, your willingness to empower them and give, give them a lot of rope, quite frankly, um, because marketing is, a lot of people try to make it a science, particularly accounting. It's not a science. It's it's an art. And now research helps to enlighten your in, intuition and, and give you a sense of direction about this seems to be the smarter thing to do. But um, at the end of the day, it requires creativity and the intuition to take some risk. And true, Kathy, and Jimmy Collins, who was the CEO, gave us that kind of environment. So if entrepreneurs at some point in their business growth, they better be willing to let go and give people freedom to make big decisions around it, particularly how the, the brand is developed and presented to the public. And have the uh, tolerance to deal with the mistakes that are made because that's the that's other right. side of, of leadership, right? It's, it's right. allowing your team to make some hiccups. <laughs> Maybe a $2 million mistake might be a big deal for some other companies. Uh, but at the, at, the, at the end of the day, it's allowing them to make those mistakes, to learn those lessons because that's, that's, right, where, that's where the growth ends up happening, I'm, I'm assuming, right? That is correct. That's exactly correct. And that mistake certainly helped keep me humble. But it also framed how we started to think about marketing and, and brand development at Chick-fil-A. So uh, we have more control over the interaction. That particular mistake was around too many
And so uh, the steps was direction for Chick fil A. And uh, Steve, you're breaking up again. I'm really. Oh no, no. Well, we did. We got a good chunk of Steve on here until until uh, we got a, a little bit of a choppy mic there. But Steve, you know, I mean, we're we're low on time anyways. Um, and and uh, I, I I wanted to tell you, I mean, your story, the story of, of Chick Fil A is already amazing. But to kind of go in and hear the details of even some of the big mistakes that are made, the reasons why you made certain choices when it comes to marketing. The origin of the of the cows. I mean, all those things are are great uh, stories that I think a lot of entrepreneurs should be hearing, should be learning, uh, because at the end of the day, that is the grueling task that every business has to go through. They have to learn to speak to their audience. They have to learn to test things out. They have to learn to be patient. They have to be okay with their teams and them making mistakes. And I think your story literally shares that aspect of this. 30 year overnight success that Chick-fil-A tends yeah. to be. Right. And, and I, I think yeah. people are, are quickly to 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 jump on that that bandwagon that all, oh, you know, they're 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 an amazing company, but they don't get to see really, you know, those first 20, 25 years of grueling, trying, trusting, errors, mistakes until you become until you kind of iron those things out. And now, of course, you make it look easy. But it didn't well, let start. me illustrate that. Let me illustrate that for you, James. Uh, from 19, when I joined the business, 1981, we had sales of roughly 100 million in sales. It wasn't until 2000, year 2000, that we hit a billion dollars in sales. Whew. When I left in 2016, January 2016, the previous year, we had sales of 6.8 billion. It's a lot of chicken. Last year. Okay, last year, which is 2022, so that's just six years, that sales of 20 billion. So what happens with a healthy brand if you continue to execute with excellence the core competencies of your brand, and in Chick-fil-A's case, food service, hospitality, accuracy, cleanliness, how they market it. If you continue to execute well and keep the flywheel going, Momentum develops, and the, the the real upshot is that there's these these rave, I call them raving fans. There's these millions of Chick Fil A brand advocates out there who are in fact the ones doing most of the marketing for Chick Fil A. And I think any brand can experience that. I mean, Nike when when they introduced Air Jordan, they they figured well, okay, this is going to be a three or four million dollar business i think i think in the first year they did over 400 million and last year it was a just air jordans was a four billion dollar business and he's been retired for quite some time <laughs> yeah that's exactly right it's still a momentum brand it's still a hot brand that's exactly right you're absolutely so, anyway. right yeah. Well, Steve, and I, by the way, I, I wrote all this down. I think you know I, I wrote a book, and it's in my book called uh, Covert Cows and Chick-fil-A, and it's still on Amazon. So if people want to study it further, they can buy my book. 
Absolutely. You also got a podcast, correct? Uh, there's there's other ways that people can kind of learn from you and 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 get more information, right? I, I don't do my own podcast, but I've done a lot of them. And if you do a search, if you do a Google search, I'm sure you'll find several uh, podcasts where I've been interviewed. Hopefully where the, my microphone wasn't breaking up. <laughs> for sure for sure well steve thank you very much for coming on the program today ladies and gentlemen that's 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 it that's the marketing game it's it looks really cool when it's perfect when you see the flawlessness when the momentum is in your favor but what you don't see is what it takes to get there and that's what this episode is really all about it's grueling it's testing it's task oriented and you're gonna make mistakes and steve telling you from one of the most iconic brands out there is telling you the same thing it takes that effort but you you can learn from all these mentors grab his book uh make sure you guys check him out on social uh i got it right here on the screen it's s robbins consulting uh which is the social that we got on here steve thank you very much for uh coming on the program today and sharing the chick-fil-a story i know my students here are are literally ordering chick-fil-a that gets delivered <laughs> to the classroom good, all the good. time so uh, I'm, on a, I'm on a pension program please order all the food you can <laughs> you heard it there you go Thank you very much, ladies and gents. Enjoy your Chick-fil-A. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. Bye-bye. It's Thanks, over. Ray. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.